Welcome to another exciting edition of Near Mint Comic Radio, your local comic shop shrunk down, gamma radiated with both its parents, tragically killed before its eyes, and aired live every week only on the non-productive network, the only place that would have us. I'm your host, Frank, joined in studio as always by Ken and Pete. Hello, Ken and Pete. Hi, us. On Near Mint, we rank and review comics from best to worst. That's Mint, Near Mint, good, fair, and poor to you newbies, and try to guide you in what to read and what might be better to avoid. On this week's episode, it's kind of another mixed bag where we have things from all over the place. We have a joint review towards the end of the show about uh, the newest Avengers thingamajig. We have we have stuff to talk about Black Lightning to start and maybe a few little special treats from Ken and his vast horror collection if we get to it. But let's begin with the thing that most people are interested in because you don't have to read it. It's Black Lightning. Have uh, either of you seen the TV show? I have. The first two episodes, at least. And I was actually very pleasantly surprised by it. It is a... And P, you haven't seen it yet, right? I, I'm saving up my street cred for Black Panther. Got it. Uh, uh, it's a Berlenti, Berlenti-produced uh, show on the CW, but it does not exist within the Berlenti-verse, which is a term I don't know if is official in any way, that DC uh, TV continuity that goes from Arrow to The Flash to Legends of Tomorrow to, I guess, Supergirl well, now. Well, that's in its own universe. It, they're all in their own universe, but the multiverse is within, Correct. are connected. This, but Black Lightning is not in the multiverse? Black Lightning, there's been no answer to whether or not it is within the multiverse. It is definitely not within the same universe of either Arrow, Flash, Legends, or Supergirl. So basically, we're ignoring that uh, promo that they did. What promo? They did a, a promo for the, the mid-season premieres where all the superheroes are getting suited up and getting ready to go. It ends with a big lightning crash and everything and Black Lightning walking out into the locker room that they're all in saying, oh, sure, nobody waits for the new guy. Oh, that's pretty cool. I have not seen that promo. Uh, I Yeah, I guess that's all sort of, um, you know, out of universe kind of marketing material. It's interesting because this is a Berlenti production. It definitely is a CW show. It feels, the look and feel of it is vastly different than every other show on the network that they are producing. And I think all that is good. I actually really enjoy it. So I actually have a review of Black Lightning, the DC comic. But before we get to the comics, let's deal with the uh, big deal in the in the room, the, the TV show. I loved it. I thought it was really good. I, I know, Ken, you, you kind of agree on that. Yeah, I think the be- the best thing about it is it does, you're right, it does feel like a Greg Berlanti produced show on the CW that fits in with all the other comic book shows because one of the major basis that makes all these shows great is the idea of family. Yeah, okay, it's, it's, a, it's definitely a very big, big, big part of it. And I like that it still kind of, I guess you say, follows that formula. Because like I said, a lot of those shows, the idea of family is very constant through it. It's not just your blood, but your friends are your family too. Mm-hmm. And it just fits in perfectly with all the other shows. Yeah, I, I think that thematically it does work. Uh, from a production standpoint, I think it's head and shoulders above the rest of the other shows. I think it's even better than Arrow Season 1, which I think is one of the, the higher production-valued shows that that the, these these guys came out. It's filmed in Atlanta and not Toronto. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, and it, it feels authentic. Um, the voices in the show are feel authentic. The the subject matter and what they're dealing with with uh, both gang violence and police violence. There's a ham fisted way of doing it, and I don't think the show does it at all. I think it really does a has a, a good grip on its voice. One of the things mm-hmm. I did appreciate, at least with the pilot, was it wasn't a origin pilot story. Yeah. Yeah. I like that we're, we're, we're thrown into the fact that we know that Black Lightning was a guy that was around and he's been gone for nine years. 
Right. And it was, you know, the, the cops didn't like him. Like He was driven away, essentially. Right, right. And I, I also enjoy that this is sort of like second wave or even third wave superhero stories in mass media. As in, in comic books, we're used to stories just sort of picking up and going. Uh, not having to explain why someone's wearing a costume and fighting crime. Right. Right? That's that's kind of something a given in comic books. But in movies and what have you, it's an uphill battle. You need to start with an origin story. You need to explain. You need to have people, like, shocked in a pole that are super beings out there. They all call everyone a metahuman. Nobody <laughs> right. really... Gra- like, it's all, like... They're, they're, the people in that universe are struggling so hard with something that if it were to happen in our universe, I think people would be like, wow, there's a superhero. We, we, know, we know what to expect. And this show does not waste any time with that. It goes right into the, like you said, the backstory of he was around, he's back now, and he's back because he kind of has to be. They've done that, that. And it wasn't even until the end of the episode, to be honest. Right, yeah. And I, I appreciate that. I like that we actually got a lot of full character development very early on in, in, in the episode. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's been pretty and it's, much it's, all It's, it's all the characters. It's yeah. not even just the main one. Yeah, the people in his backstory, his the, the characters that are like um, what would be supporting cast normally, like things and want things that's yeah. very rare for for any kind of televised fictional drama can, can mm-hmm. i bring up one thing i'm sure. a huge fan of the actor james remar who plays the alfred character to yeah. black lightning oh, that guy yes and i i definitely was wondering like why does he have a, a tailor as a and I, I i it's a perfect fit for him i mean and I, and the character's fantastic like he's like a legit part of this guy's life that you don't realize until it actually unfolds, and it's done very well. They did a great job with it. It's really it's it's well done. And again, my favorite part about it so far, and it's only been two episodes in as of the time we were recording this, is that it's got a, it's got a good voice. It's it's yeah. consistent. You believe the universe. You believe the people in the universe believe the universe. It's pretty interesting uh, that they actually got this uh, way. I knew nothing about Black Lightning as a character beforehand. Including the fact that uh, when we're talking about this in some podcasts at some point, I was mistakenly referring to Black Vulcan. Right, because I was thinking uh, the Super Friends. Right. Like, I don't remember Black Vulcan that well in the Super Friends. And I think I said yeah in an earlier episode that I don't remember Black Lightning. He was barely in the Super Friends or something like that. Mm. But I was you know, completely wrong. Black Vulcan is a character, really a pastiche or ripoff of Black Lightning put into Super Friends because the character of Black Lightning was uh, created by Tony Isabella. And at the time, something with his agreement with DC had, if you ever used Black Lightning in something, he would get a share in the profits or maybe, uh-huh. I don't know, if creative control. I don't think that was probably it. But like there was some sort of rights issue. So instead of addressing that, they just knocked off the character. At least that's the the legend behind it. That sounds uh, like a DC move. That seems like a, a, a DC move of that Sounds period. like you're skipping a couple letters in there, but it's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. But um, a good thing is modern DC has made up uh, a nice and friendly with Tony. And uh, we have a new book line. And this is what Nearman's hmm. about is reviewing comic books. So uh, I actually got my hands on the first three issues of Black Lightning, Cold Dead Hands. This is There are six issues in the first run. It is uh, pretty cool, and it's actually written by Tony Isabella, who, who's back on 
the the character he created. That's actually Excellent. pretty cool. You don't you don't see a lot of that. No, you do not. So I'm glad they made good with him. Uh, Tony Isabella and Clayton Henry, artists on the book. It's an interesting story, the cold at hand. So first of all, I'm going to ask a question: Do you think this comic book? has anything to do with the widely popular and marketed TV show that's out. I don't know, Frank. Does it? Of course not. Why would a production company make a show based on a comic? This has been a long problem, mostly with Marvel, but DC is guilty of it as anybody else. (laughs) You've got these vastly popular TV shows and movies that are not really solidly linked up to the comics that are struggling for sales. I mean, look at Green Lantern, too. I mean, what the, the show did yeah. with that, essentially, Green Lantern, when at least when it started, even a little bit today, is essentially Batman. Which, which the, 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 Green the, Arrow? The show, the oh, show Green Arrow. Arrow. I'm sorry, what did I say, Lantern? You yeah, said I'm sorry. Lantern. You know, I meant, I meant Green Arrow. Well, I Freudian like, I slip. I haven't watched Green... I thought he was talking about this, the CG Cartoon oh, Network yeah, show. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's still no. going? It might be. Sorry. Sure. I, no, I meant, uh, yeah, Green Arrow. I mean, especially in the beginning... And yeah. as, uh, more so lately now, too. I mean, a very heavy Batman. He's type. been watered down Batman. I mm-hmm. loved the show and I love the concept, but yeah, definitely heavily influenced on the Batman thing. Um, which I think, though, has drawn more people to reading the book, which I think is weird because they've taken the characters from the show and recently over the last year or so and have been incorporating them into the books now. I think I think there's a slow progression to that. I think these these comics eventually include Felicity Smoke, who is like this very popular character. Yeah, I think they and finally introduced her like within like the last year or two. Yeah. And Diggle uh, is Diggle, in there now. Yeah, right. And there's always these attempts to kind of like multiverse explain who these characters are and then say, oh, my middle name, it's it's the yeah. it's the Robin. Oh, the middle, Dark Knight Rises. Dark, right. Oh, it's yeah. like, oh, my middle name is, my birth name was Robin. Grayskull. Jer- also connected <laughs> to He-Man. Grayskull. Also connected to He-Man. I'm a bunch of things. Hasbroverse, first strike. Anyway. Or the Nick Fury Jr. explanation oh, going the other way. I actually really like that one. <laughs> I really enjoy that Nick Fury Jr. explanation for the Hasselhoff. Uh, but anyways, we're getting way off track. So I was upset about that a little bit at first. My review for this book is kind of all over the place. First issue, the two things I pulled away is, ugh, once again, this comic has nothing to do with the TV show. That's a missed opportunity. And I guess I'll give you a little background on this, well, what actually, the story let is. Me, in the let me ask you. I mean, you watched the uh, TV show. Were you aware of anything of Black Lightning going into watching the TV Very show? Li- I did a little bit of research just on the origin of the character and that I was wrong about Black Vulcan. <laughs> but other than that, nothing. Okay. Because yeah. so, so, that's where I wanted to go next and see if maybe this comic book actually has the origins of its original predecessor books. But it, yeah. Go ahead. It, so the uh, we'll, we'll do a non-spoiler review for the TV show. Basically, it is a somewhat older, like middle-aged principal at a local high school who about a decade ago was a superhero known as Black Lightning and retired because of the violence involved in that and then forced to come out of retirement because of the increased gang activity that swept up his two daughters. Or actually, the easiest, one of the easiest ways was he left because of his family, and he came back because of his family. Nice. That's that's marketing copy for you right there from Ken. Boom. Uh, that's basically the premise I'm of the I'm confused TV show. and intimidated by this now. No, well, Pete is not in any kind of market group that you want to attract, so it's fine. The comic itself, Cold Dead Hands, the main character is a teacher at a local high school, so he's still relatively, this is a younger period in his life. 
uh, who has come back to fighting crime as Black Lightning because of increased gang violence. Okay. But we don't see a lot of uh, focus on his family life. As far as I know, he has no children or wife in this. He does seem like he's a young person who is kind of forced back into it. What takes the place of his daughters in this story would be a younger cousin who is one of the teachers, he, one of the students he teaches. Uh, but the main premise is he's back to fight inter-gang style thugs called the Weathermen who are armed with alien technology that's way beyond their pay grade. And they're doing things like holding up like check cashing places and bodegas and like the neighborhood, but with super advanced weapons that only really he can help fight because no one's paying attention to this town. Pretty trope concept so far. Somewhat similar to the TV show, but not obviously not completely linked. Okay. And that's the premise of this thing, that there is this gun dealer who is attempting to put these weapons out there in an attempt to make money because the more people are afraid of superheroes and cops and violence, the more they will pay for these advanced weapons. That's the basic gimmick. In the first issue, I was a little turned off by the fact, again, it wasn't completely linked to the TV show and the language. There was something about the humor in it like you couldn't i couldn't place the voice of this character he was making quips almost spider-man like where like he's in the middle of a fight and he's saying sort of sarcastic things to the people around him another none of it felt genuine there's a police detective who is his childhood friend and possibly crush but they kind of treat each other like brother and sister i don't know what's going on there and they have this back and forth where she calls him brother from another mother and he calls her a sister from another mister, and it's very off-putting. Really? It's just weird because it just feels, it didn't feel genuine. It just felt like the humor and the, the voice was off on this. Did it almost play out similar to like a 70s book? It felt almost like a 70s book transplanted in modern era where it's covered in slang that maybe isn't real. Like it didn't. It feels like, hey, kids, what are we doing with our iPhones today? Like it didn't feel like it was connecting at all. And specifically, it didn't feel like that character's voice. He didn't sound like the person. And I'm not just talking like he doesn't sound like this isn't the real uh, Jefferson. I'm saying that like it didn't feel like this character was unique in any way. Okay. He just seemed like a quipping superhero. And that was most of volume one for me, for the most part. My friends out there in listening world. Stick with it. By the next two issues, I am completely 180'd on it. Really? It is done. He has does an amazing job. I don't know what it was about that first issue that was a little clumsy, but over the course of the next two issues, it was like, couldn't put it down. They're doing incredible things with storytelling. Tony Isabella's doing an amazing job of linking in, uh, believe it or not, the Twilight Zone episode of The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street. Yeah. Kind of a pastiche of that is a play that's being put on by the kids in Jefferson's school. So mm. he's linking up with the the fact that people use horror to do what they, to, to impose the will on people. It's kind of like an undertone story throughout what's actually happening in the action of the comic with this this arms dealer who is purposely putting weapons in the hands of criminals to get people afraid and buy weapons it really touches on a lot of important things that are super relevant today it feels almost as if issue one came out six months before issue two came out you know like issue one came out and it was okay and then a bunch of things happened in the news and suddenly people were like we got to address this in our comic it's almost like pilot season on TVs. A similar, like but... Like where the pilot is a, kind of a throw-off or a far-off from when the show actually starts. Right, and then... And it, it, it actually got better. And then, yeah, then somebody is able to, to exert their like editorial control and say, 
this is the story I want to tell. And by issue two, you could tell what the story is that he wants to tell. Cool. And it's some of it's, you know, a little bit like, again, a little tropey in that it is a superhero who's pitted against the police because they don't trust him because, you know, he's a mass vigilante. That's pretty, like, trite that's we've seen that often but it's done incredibly well here with a character that it makes a lot of sense for it to happen here it addresses police violence it addresses fear legitimate fear where police officers are trying to do their best but they what are they going to do up against effectively terrorism that are these masked weathermen who were armed with incredible weapons and confusing intent and it, it deals with the power brokers behind the scenes and who wants to keep us afraid and looking for a way out. It's really great. We're in the third episode. There's three more issues left before this arc wraps up. I really hope it maintains the rating I'm about to give it, which is Near Mint. It's really good. Wow, awesome. Definitely pick it up. Very cool. Speaking of sticking the landing, Marvel has a huge project going on right now. This is true. And you guys are just dipping your feet in. It's a big one. Avengers No Surrender. They have taken the... Three, I believe, current Avengers books. It might actually be more, but yeah. Well, basically, they've stopped all the current Avengers books. Yeah. And they've mashed them together. One of the things Marvel's doing in their legacy initiative is they're restoring the original numbering schemes to right. uh, comic books. Right. You know, they, they started about 10 years or so ago, relaunching almost every year, every other year with a new number one. Yeah, it's a new series starting off with a number one, right? Yeah. right. Uh, so now they're trying to count all those issues and say what number we would be at? And add them to the old one. That's pretty So cool. uh, they, they took this and started off with Avengers number 675. 675. All of the Avengers teams are together for this. The, the story as it breaks is earth has been stolen <laughs> all right i'm in i'm all in <laughs> all of a sudden all of the uh, the planet side avengers the, the avengers who are on earth currently from their perspective first communications go out because suddenly there's no satellites right you can't see anything in outer space the uh, the stars are all wrong and then next yeah. following that is the natural disasters mm -hmm. natural disasters start taking place they can't figure out what's going on the avengers are all called together to try and figure out what exactly is happening i don't want to give away the whole plot of this I, we're not going to rehash the entire right yeah no everything that happens because you should be reading this yourself and to be honest i'm already on the edge i'm like i want to know more about mm -hmm. what's happening so i'm <clears throat> interested in picking it up it turns out that the black order which mm -hmm. uh, if you're not familiar with it already you will be come uh infinity war. come infinity war which i i did that dawned on me reading yeah. this today yeah. thanos's henchmen oh, essentially, oh yes okay yeah are involved in this although they're not exactly behind it no you guys are doing a frustrating job of telling me what's going on without telling me what's going on and and as, as is uh marvel <laughs> yeah or mark wade <laughs> we're, we're we're a little in the dark about this too but perhaps the uh, the most newsworthy thing about this, the, the most shocking thing that's got people talking, is the fact that Voyager has returned. Voyager, Lawrence. the founding Avenger? Oh, I know nothing about this. You know, Avengers premiered in 1963. Right. With the original lineup of the Hulk, Thor, Iron Man, Thor, Wasp, Wasp Ant-Man, Ant and Voyager. And Voyager. Hmm, yeah. That sounds completely true. Yes, I, you're, you're, Hasn't Marvel done this before? Well, yes, that was called the Sentry. He's yeah. back too, but not in this. Oh, I, oh <clears> there <throat> she is. That's I would assume that is uh, Voyager. Sloppily photoshopped in the corner of that cover. <laughs> oh, man. It's, um, 
it's an interesting it's not some it's not something original. They have done this in the past. Right. Uh, Mark Wade has done this in the past. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, I, I, I'm curious. Uh, I would love to talk to him about where this whole thing came from, because taking a character like this and kind of revamping something that had been done within the last decade mm-hmm. uh, or was heavy. In he the will last show you his so. dark word. Century. Century. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. more than a decade. But. And then Sentry's almost 20 years old now. Coming off of the last story arc he did with the champions, where again it was like the earth was being misplaced or or uh vibrated into another earth with the the high evolutionary. Yeah. Like two back-to-back stories where like the earth is like being Not where transitioned be. or moved. Yeah. And it's kind of weird. Interesting. All we're, right, we're, yeah, we're, it's, it's a return to the house of one or two ideas. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was about to say, he will show you the dartboard in Marvel Studios <laughs> as well. There's only so many slots. But in a weird way, it's the Marvel legacy aspect of going back to basics and old school storytelling. Yeah. And like that was and old we, school stories. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's I mean, it, it makes sense, though. I'm, I'm certainly not forgiving or anything about mm-hmm. this. I'm just saying that there is a certain appeal for the big broad strokes to be like super broad and like obvious. It's the thing I just talked about in Black Lightning where I'm like, okay, there is a hero who's being chased by police because they don't understand he's a hero. That is every superhero story practically. Mm -hmm. Having your planet disappear isn't every, but it's a pretty fairly, you know. It's not quite to the level of trope, but right. it, it's it's you know one or two more stories and we'll be there. Yeah. yeah. There the interesting thing about Voyager is I think that there is more to this. I'm kind of hoping there's more to this. Yeah. Because the way she's presented is that they they actually do explain she she was at one point involved in a fight that knocked her out of sync with reality. Right. And, and essentially she 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 gave her life to save the universe. Mm. And instead of killing her, it knocked her out of sync. It removed all traces of her from history. Right. Yeah, to the so, point where it did yeah. affect people's memories. And this removal of Earth to wherever it is now has apparently knocked her back into sync and all of a sudden everybody remembers her right and everything about her and treats the fact that she's there as completely normal so they and, and they're actually and they're actually looking to her for how how do we fix this and that includes the gap of time between when the avengers were founded and now i i think they the way they placed it they I, they they thought she died right oh, okay um right but now they don't find it weird that she's back it's like, oh, great, we got you back finally. Right. Yeah. Okay. Like, they knew she was gone when, mm-hmm. once they saw her. Like right. Yeah. That makes... And it, during the, the, the course of the books, it, it, during the course oh, of the books. story, you actually get to see where in the continuity some of these stories took place. So it's like, we actually see it's Avengers number one. That's a big thing Marvel's Avengers doing. Avengers yeah. 30, this, this incident happened and she was a mm-hmm. part of it. Uh, issue 78 is where I think the incident happened where she left. Right. It's it's kind of neat. Yeah. The ease with which everybody is accepting her, to me, says there's something else up here. Of course. Of course. Like, I'm, I'm really kind of hoping that it isn't just this cut and dry, easy, we're wedging in a female Superman analog for was, diversity in the original Avengers. I was really kind of shocked about how quickly, once they saw it was her, 
how everybody just wanted to rally to make her the leader of the group and go to her for the advice of where to go mm-hmm. or, or how to handle everything. Yeah. And the other interesting thing is that she sits, she stands there and says, no, 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 not me. You yeah. already have three I, capable leaders. I've been gone for I don't know how help. long, maybe 20 years. And she has no memory of what happened to her either. No, she, uh, she apparently, according to her, could see everything that was happening in her shuffled state. Right. Mm-hmm. But she couldn't interact with the world. Hmm. So she has full knowledge of everything that's been going on. It's they like, like she was reading the comic the reader books. Or the watcher. Huh? No. <laughs> the looker at her. Mm-hmm. The yeah. casual fan. <laughs> uh, Alright. Sounds interesting. Sounds like it makes comic book sense. What do you guys think of it so far? I'm super intrigued by this still. As as mm-hmm. much as, you know, we may have seen, this, you know, ideas similar to this, I'm actually kind of intrigued. It's She seems like an interesting character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm still kind of curious to see what the actual deal is. What mm-hmm. what forced the Earth to be moved right? and what her point in all of this is going to be. And I, as you know, and listeners will know if they've been paying attention, one of my biggest complaints about these big Marvel stories a lot is their pacing. I'm not having that problem with this so far. Yeah. Each issue so far feels like it's advancing the story. They, they did a good job of setting up that there are multiple layers to the onion of this story. And the heroes are slowly working their way through those layers. They've given us an idea of how many layers there are and teased that there may be more layers underneath them. Mm-hmm. But you don't know that. And they've given themselves room to reveal things later on. But they're still rewarding you with, okay, we're, we're answering one question and moving to another one. Okay, that's cool. As opposed yeah. to just seven issues of spinning your wheels to get to the first answer. Right. Wait until the very end before we answer everything, maybe. But mm-hmm. we probably won't. No. Yeah. I get that. I can feel that. So what do you think so far? What rankings do you give it? I know it's early, but I just want to know. I'm, like I said, I'm loving the ride, uh, and I'm going to be a- hooked each week, so I'm going to go near mint right now. I'm nice. going to go near mint, too. I'm not ready to give it a mint yet, but nice. near. Very cool. All right. Wow. An all near mint show so far. Appropriate for the title. Now, we do have enough time for one last venture into weird comic books. And I think Ken has a weird one that threw both me and Pete a loop when he said the name. What was the name of your book again? It's Hack Slash. Hack Slash. Not Dot Hack, (laughs) as both Pete and I stupidly Mm -hmm. thought. Or Question Mark Slash, which is what I thought also. Oh, I see. I got what you mean. No. No. Uh, I also thought Hack and Slash... And a bunch of other things, but enough of the stupidity. What is Hackslash? Uh, Hackslash is actually an, a very interesting concept when it was presented to me by someone. Um, horror fans would probably love this, especially if you're a slasher fan. You know, slasher movies, a lot of tropes, you know, right. mask killers, serial killers, mm-hmm. can't die. Mm-hmm. But one of the other big ones is the final girl. You Absolutely. Know? You, there you have your lone survivor, usually a woman in, the, in these things, and it peaks an interesting question what happens to the final girl when the movie's over this is done in a very cool way in in the book our main character is cassie hack <laughs> mm. who actually has a very interesting backstory it plays out just like a slasher film she was picked on as a kid by bullies and students in her high school would, would die with no oh. explanation it sounds like she might be the killer in this scenario. And what we find out later is when the students were dying, they were dying from eating specific foods that were served in the cafeteria. 
Uh-huh. So we find out that the actual killer was her mother, oh, who was yay, very upset and tired. That's like the of most legendary being, of yep, the first of slashers. Of yeah. her being abused. And actually, in a weird accident, when being found out, the mom died in the kitchen when her face was shoved into a, <laughs> a big pot of oil or whatever. All right. Hoisted by her own petard. To find out, the murders continued afterwards. Oh. And the mom didn't die. She oh. was horribly disfigured oh yay that's the sequel yay and ultimately cassie wound up killing her mother oh well we live the dream so she realizes that what happened to her wasn't the only incident this happens all over and she's a slasher killer she becomes a she haunts slashers that's interesting um and ironically she has a partner named vlad who (sighs) is this huge hulking dude that's very reminiscent of like a Jason. He's got this weird kind of mask, uh-huh. disfigured, but he's not a slasher. He's not a killer. Ah, uh, I see. And she befriended him, and she and this guy helps her in attacking. And the opening is even great because it's a typical slasher film. Cassie is done up as a cheerleader with a boyfriend walking in the woods in the, on, on these campgrounds, and you find out that the boy that she's with throws on a mask and goes to kill her and Vlad comes out from behind him and just impales him. And that that's the opening to our character. And then we get the backstory. And it, it's it's a really interesting read. It it's it's cool and it's it's got a little bit of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it takes itself pretty seriously. Who uh, where is this out of? Like what what company put it, puts this out? Um, it's it, it's Image, and it was it's it's uh, written by Tim Seeley. The artwork is also top notch. Like it, it it fits. Mm-hmm. And when it was recommended to me, I've read contemporary horror comics, and to be honest, I don't like them. Mm-hmm. You know, even like stuff like some of the Army of Darkness stuff gets a little ridiculous, and you know, but um. This really kept my interest, and it's... I'm sorry. What? Some of the Army of Darkness stuff gets a little ridiculous. Well. Go ahead. Again, as a horror fan. Yeah. <laughs> but no, th- this book actually works, and it, it takes a, a very interesting uh, topic, again, with the idea of the final girl, and gives it a really cool twist. All right, what do you rank the comic? Based on the initial uh, two story arcs I read, I- I'm going to go min on it, man. It's, it's really good. I, I, I love it. That's amazing. I love it. And did you read two issues or two complete like arcs? Two, it's two arcs. I I, I was one. I was uh, given the omnibus. Oh, so, nice. Uh, the so there's a volume. lot to yeah. get through. Oh yeah. man, that's cool. There's at least um, a dozen different Ma- stories in this. Um, a mint with uh, a huge backlog to read is yeah. very valuable because it's not like just hopeful thinking of the rest of the book. That's cool. All right, I'm gonna check it out. Hack slash, huh? Yeah. Nice. It, it's been around for about a decade. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and I've heard books that deal with the... They've done a bunch of crossovers, too. The the final girl, yeah, or yeah. even the what happens to the survivors of all these horror movies. There's been a novel about that. There's a, there's a bunch of material about it, but this seems like an interesting, unique take. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right, so uh, anything we're excited about reading next week? Books are coming out. Anything so you're besides continue- the next Avengers? Yeah, I mean, you guys are going to continue with Avengers. I got to be honest; I'm not sure if it's coming out next week. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the final installment of Phoenix Rising, oh, or the yeah, uh, the the new-, the new Phoenix comic book is coming out. Cool. So I'm I'm excited to find uh, how that wraps up. I believe Black Lightning Four it will be out by then. I'm looking forward to that as well. And uh, yeah, and of course, whatever whenever it comes out, the next Avengers issue is on your pull list. Very cool. All right, you out there, if you have awesome comics you want to read and share with us, you can let us know by emailing us at nearmint 
at non-productive.com or leaving a comment on this here podcast you are listening to right this second. Uh, of course, rank and review us if you can on your favorite podcatcher app and follow us on the social medias where words become action and deeds are true. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.